Hey, good morning. Good to uh, worship together, and I uh, hope you are doing well. Um, this week we are um, talking about patience, and um, it was just a um, good week uh, for me personally because I am uh, um, impatient. I'm always in a rush, and um, you know this has been something that was very good for me as I was preparing. You know, a lot of times I. I um, for the preacher or the pastor as you're preparing, you know, it's really, you're, you're, it's just a time of learning more than anything. And so it's been like that. And um, we're going to be talking about patience, you know, and we, we don't think about patience as something that's spiritual or positive. You know, if you are a productive person, if you are a type A personality, you, you, you think of patience as something you get stuck in. Like, you know, you get into the wrong lane and it just happened upon you, I have to be patient. It's not something we looked upon as something that you should work on in my life. You know, I should try to uh, improve on in my life. We think of it as something I try to avoid as much as possible, right? If I get stuck in traffic, I have to be patient. Um, it happens to me. It's a bad thing, and it's a reaction of something bad. And we, we think of it in that way. But the Bible talks about patience as a, as a, a spiritual act, as a fruit of the Spirit, that we ought to have patience in our lives, and we ought to have patience um, uh, in our Christian lives, really, and how important that is. It, the Bible says this, things like this about patience, you know, in um, Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient person than a worrier, right? We often would choose the worrier, because the worrier is proactive, they get things done, they say what they wanna say, and they go and get it, but he says, no, better a patient person. You get more done by waiting. And these are truths that we have to understand. You know, Julius Caesar had a very famous quote on this. He said, it is easier um, to find a man who will volunteer to lay down their lives than to find a man who would be uh, willing to endure pain with patience, right? And really, uh, probably that's true for a lot of us. Uh, the world we live in promotes that. It celebrates that. It celebrates someone who is working hard, celebrates someone who is getting things done. There are TV shows about people who are entrepreneurs who are doing well, and they didn't sleep, and they worked so hard, and they went after it. But something very opposite of that we see here is something very positive that we ought to nurture, we ought to obey, we ought to give the Holy Spirit room to let Him work in our lives. It is the fruit of patience. Um, today we see in this beautiful text here in James chapter 5, this description of patience. And he says here to be patient, and there's three examples, right? There's the farmer, there's the prophets, and there's Job. Um, the farmer teaches us patience towards God. The prophets teach us patience towards others. And Job te teaches us patience in hard times, in trials. And don't we all need patience in those areas, really? Um, the Bible tells us that we ought to be patient in this way. Um, think about how much times have changed. Just because of technology, it has made us more impatient, right? Think of um, something, doing something simple, like if you wanted to watch a movie at home. Let's just go back. Let's not even go back too far, but let's just go back to the 90s, right? To watch a movie at home, what is, it's still, there's a lot involved in that, right? First of all, you got to get dressed, and you got to go out and drive somewhere, get in the car, and you gotta drive to go pick a movie, and then you gotta find a blockbuster, you gotta make sure you take your membership card, and then there are hundreds, if not thousands, of titles, and you have to make a decision by the design of the jacket, right? You, have, you, don't, you don't know much. You can't look it up on your phone. You, you don't know anything. Am 
remember that? Uh, it just, boy, it seems like a long time ago. It wasn't really, right? And then you go and you pick out a movie. Then you got to pay and you got to come back home. And you have a time crunch. You have to stay awake and watch the whole movie or else you're going to get charged an extra day. So you have, you have 24 hours. And so you watch the movie. Then you got to put it back in. Then you got to get dressed. And you got to get back in the car. You got to go back and you got to drop it off. Now that's a whole process. Now think of how easy it's been now, right? I'm, I kid you not. Um, I remember, I think it's when Carissa was first born and um, going to rent a movie. And this is a span of one year. And those of you moms and dads, you know what it's like when your firstborn is there and everything is a fog. You're sleep deprived, you know, your clothes are dirty. You know, it's just a tough times. And I remember going to watch, rent a movie and going to Blockbuster and they have the newly released, it was in the back wall and you kind of start. You don't want to watch the old movie. You want to see the new stuff. And I remember going through and uh, getting towards, you know, R, then S, and there was a movie, SWAT, right? And I've shared this with our staff, it was SWAT. It started Samuel L. Jackson. And I like Samuel L. Jackson. Right? So he hasn't made a bad movie. It's got to be good. I remember renting it. I remember watching it. Kind of halfway, falling asleep through it, whatever. And I had to turn it back in. A couple months later. And I, a couple months later, I t tell my wife, hey, you want to watch a movie? She's like, not really. Well, I'm going to get one anyways. You know, and so I went. Went to, went to Blockbuster. And I went to the same motion. Back wall, new release. A, B, C, D, R, S. And then SWAT. I go, oh. Samuel L. Jackson. I said, I haven't seen. And this is like a bad case of, um, you know, um, Groundhog Day, right? And so I was like, wow, Samuel L. Jackson. I love Samuel L. Jackson. I remember, oh, police, this has got to be good. And I remember renting it, watching it halfway through. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I just watched this. I'm like, what is wrong with me? So, I, um, you know, and then taking it back and asking him, you know, can I, I made a mistake. I, I you know, rented it twice and. The 18-year-old that's working there is looking at me like rolling her eyes, you know, whatever. Um, can I return it? Can I get something? I, you know. And the third, three months later or so, the third time I go back, I said, I think I'm going to watch a movie. And you know what's coming, right? I, a, B, C, and I'm looking at the back, and I get to S, and I was like, SWAT. <laughs> and I said, wow, this looks pretty good. And I was like, Samuel Jackson. And Colin Farrell's up and coming. And wow, I was like, this is it's action. I'm going to watch this. And I bring it home, put it in the DVD player, and it's starting five minutes into it. I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, I did this, and I, now I got to go back. Sorry. You know, I know you, you know, I've rented this the third time in a year. I'm not crazy. I'm a little crazy because I have a newborn, but here, um, we're going through that. I mean, that's stuff that we go through. Now, you know, if something just slows down, if we can't access it on our internet, I mean, we go crazy over this. And think of how instant our society wants us, you know, the exercise regimen, P90X, all you need is 90 days. That's all you need. 90 days, and you can look like Bruce Lee. I mean, 90 days, right? Really? 90 days. Or you could get a degree online. You don't even have to go to class. You could just do it online whenever you want. You could finish early. You can get a master's degree early if you want to. Um, you go to Disneyland, right? What do they have? Fast passes, right? You get to cut in line. Like, who waits in line? Only the real tourists who are from out of town. You get to cut in line and you get to go to the front because who can wait like everyone else did, all right? Um, and all the things that we go through. And even when our, our phones and computers just slow down a little bit, there's a condition um, called hurry sickness. It was coined by uh, Dr. Mayor Friedman, right? Uh, hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is the thought, is a condition where you are always in a hurry for no reason. You're just always in a hurry. 
And I, I, was look, I was reading about this, and I was looking at, they have tests about it, you know, do you have hurry sickness? I, I think we all have hurry sickness, right? I mean, some of these things, uh, we'll, we'll take the test together, right? You know, um, you don't have to answer, but you could kind of nod or whatever, okay? I, you don't need to answer this, right? But, you know, you have hurry sickness if you are always multitasking. Like, you feel like you're wasting time if you're doing one thing. You're always multitasking, right? Some of you multitaskers, um, some of you at work, when you're eating lunch, you're in front of your laptop computer because you don't want to waste time and enjoy lunch. You need to get things done, right? You're usually sitting there. Lunch is not something you enjoy. It's just something out of necessity. You need to eat so you can get work done. There's some of you like that. This one, a lot of you are guilty. How many of you count how many people are in line at Costco before you get and decide and commit to that line? And you look, and you're looking, and uh, you decide, right? I, I do that all the time. I even look at the cashiers to see and try to guess which one works faster. Like, which one has a helper? Like, oh, they have a, a box person there. I'm going to go to that one. You know, um, how many of us, when you get in the elevator, you press the close the door button? Like, you do it, and you're, um, it's like, a, you know, um, and you see someone, you know, a stranger coming around the corner, and you're trying to close it. You don't want them coming in. And, um, and you know they say those buttons, it's connected to nothing other than a light bulb. It's just a, more of a placebo effect. It says it doesn't work, really. Um, but I'm going to press it anyways. I don't care. You know, I, I need to press it. Or you're at a crosswalk. How many of us, you push it once, and then you're just, you know, as a kid, you were just pushing that crosswalk button. Because you need to get across, or you can't, how many of you can watch a video without scrolling forward? You, you know, it's five minutes, i got to scroll. I don't have time for five minutes. And we're like that, right? Hurry sickness. It affects our health, it affects our relationships, it affects our mood, um, it affects us in a lot of ways, he says. And we struggle from this, and really, God tells us the fruit of the Spirit, be patient. He tells us in this text to be patient. The original word, uh, macrothumio, macro, we get the word macro, it means big or long, right? It means long-tempered. Be long-tempered. Don't just jump and react and lose it, but just wait. Be long-tempered, he tells us. And he tells us here, you look at the passage that we read, he's telling this to the brothers. He's assuming the, the, those who are in the household of faith, you know, the brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. Be patient, therefore, my brothers. Be patient. You are followers of Jesus, and the big reason we ought to be patient, and he says it over and over in this passage, is that the, the Lord is coming back, that he's coming back for us. Uh, let me just make a comment on this, this idea that Christ's second coming was, was going to happen, and they were always looking forward to that. Did it happen? No. 2,000 years have gone by. It hasn't happened. And so we say, well, how do you reconcile that? You know, was this off? Were they misinformed? What is this? Are, um, no, the Bible tells us no one knows, not even the angels know, the hour, the day of the return of Christ. And so what that tells us is all of us ought to be waiting for the Lord's return. It tells us that God is close, that God is near to us. And that truth, as a follower of Jesus, now tells us, oh, he's around, he's close. He might come back in my lifetime. If that is so, I can now let him be in charge. Yeah, we become impatient because why? Um, we want, it's a control issue, really. Because we feel like it's my time, it's my life, 
So I'm impatient. Someone's taking their time talking, you're like, hurry, you know, hurry it up, I, I don't have much time. You know, someone's taking a long time checking out, you know, hurry it up, you know, and why do they have all these self-checkout lines? Because we think we could do it faster, we're in a rush. What are you saying? It's, it's ultimately, it's the Lord's time. It's His, your life is in Him. And we have to sit and be reminded of that. This life that I have is ultimately in the Lord. The time that I have with my life is ultimately all His. And if I could grasp that truth, it's okay. And I can be patient. Um, I can be still. You know, there's a uh, Henry Nouwen, about 20 years ago, had this quote. He says, there's a time, and this is 20-some years ago. Think of how true it is today. Right? There's a time when silence was normal and a lot of racket disturbed us. But today, noise is the normal fare, and silence, strange as it may seem, has become the real disturbance. Think of this, when you used to study way back, you go to the library because it's quiet so you could study in peace, but now you can't you study with your headphones on in a public place at Starbucks because it's the noise that gives us comfort. And when it's really quiet, it makes us uncomfortable. George MacDonald said this, work is not always required of a man. There is such a thing as sacred idleness, the cultivation of which is now fearfully neglected. So what do we learn in these three illustrations here, right, that James gives us? First of all, we learn about the farmer, the farmer who is waiting upon the Lord. We need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Wait upon him. Think about the, the occupation of a farmer. You are completely dependent on God. Doesn't matter how good your technique is, doesn't matter how good your soil is, if God doesn't send the rain, you won't have a harvest. And if you are a type A personality, if you have hurry sickness, imagine if that was now your job and you have to wait for rain. And it tells us in the text here, verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, uh, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. It says here, there's two rains that come. The fall rains and then the end of the spring rains. There would be this time, right? It would come. And so the fall rains would come and they would now wait. And if you are someone who is in a rush, you'd be tempted to go and start plucking. Because you don't know if the second rains are going to come, if the late rains are going to come in April. And you're waiting. Think of that. If you are an impatient person and you are just out there and all you could do is just watch. You know, you just watch your crop. And you pray to God, God, I hope it rains. How would you react? Here he says, look at the farmer. Learn patience from the farmer. Look how he is patient with the Lord. I could learn to be still. God is still at work. The rains still come twice a year when they've always come. And I am dependent on him. So we learn patience in this way. Uh, theologian Stanley Harawas said this, he says, God is patient so we can be patient. The move toward pragmatism is an act of profound mistrust. So we go to God often, we pray, and we feel like God is not answering my prayer, and then we just say, well, I, I, I'm going to go be proactive. He says that's mistrust. You pray for something, God, could you help me with this? God, could you answer, could you open these doors for me? And, and it's not working, and you just start panicking. 
It's mistrust, he says. The second example we see here is the, is the, uh, the trust or the patience of the prophets. It's patience with other people, really. That's what the prophets dealt with, patience with others. And don't we all lose our patience with others? Those of you who are married, haven't you lost your patience with the other person? Because they missed the parking spot and they went to the other side or they keep giving you directions when you know where you're going and um, you know, they tell you to put the toilet seat down and then up and down and you're confused and you lose patience. But patience with others. Um, someone around you, you feel like is immature. You've given them some time. You say, I'm done with this person. The saddest thing often that we go through um, as, as people even go from church to church, and not, not just, just church members, but even, even pastors, and they go church to church, is this lack of patience. I was like, oh, so-and-so, man, you know, they, they really bother me. You know, they, they, they say things, and it's just wrong. And, you know, their faith, they're so weak in their faith. And, you know, I'm out. I can't handle this group. I need to go down the street where to find more, you know, good people. And, and it's a lack of patience here. Think of the prophets now. The prophet's job... Um, where they were called by God to go and preach, to preach a message that is not popular. Because you're telling the pe- people of God to repent. Stop doing what you want to do. Listen to God, right? Stop sinning. Um, stop doing that. Listen to God. And it, it's not a popular calling. And now they have to go and do this, and they have to preach. You look at the life of, uh, the one that comes to mind is the life of Jeremiah. Jeremiah's nickname is the weeping prophet, that he was weeping. He was called at age 17. You go to Jeremiah chapter 1, we know his calling, right? Before, you know, you were born, while you were in your mother's womb, I called you. And he's called now at the age of 17 to go and preach. And he preaches for about 40 years. And for 40 years, he struggles with depression and loneliness. He is not married. He has no children. All his friends desert him. And for 40 years, he preaches to the southern kingdom once Israel is divided. He preaches to the southern kingdom to repent, and they do not repent, and the 12 tribes get split up, and God places his judgment upon them. But for 40 years, he's preaching, and no one is listening. And most of us would look at that and say, what a failure. There was no fruit in that. You know, what kind of work is that? And here, he's learning patience with people. And I want to challenge you to... If someone in your life is bothering you, if someone is immature in your life, welcome to the world, right? That's, that's everyone goes through that. It's universal. And there's a good chance, you know, we're bothering some other people as well that we don't know about. And what is, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 this, um, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. When Paul writes to the church and he's talking about the idol, those who aren't doing anything, that drives you crazy, they don't do anything. Um, those who are faint-hearted, man, they get discouraged all the time. You know, they, they just can't handle any kind of hardship. They, they get, you know, so you just go encourage them. Third, help the weak. Those who are spiritually weak, they doubt God often. They don't believe what it says. And he says, hey, help them. But he says, with all of those people, be patient with them all. And these are the people that would probably be categorized as those who are most frustrating, the most difficult. 
You know, if they don't do anything and they get easily discouraged and, man, their faith is so weak, I don't want to be, he says, no, be patient with them all. And so we're called to do this. Verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They waited upon people. And regarding Jeremiah, one commentator says that the other prophets of Israel had witnessed some successes, at least for a little while, but not Jeremiah. He was speaking to a brick wall over and over. Um, I hear people, uh, people that are in ministry often say, oh, I'm going to go and serve at this church, you know, three years, and I'm going to give three years. Or even some people who are teaching Sunday school, I'm going to teach for a year and see what I can do. And not, you can't do anything in a year. You can't, not, not much gets done in three years. It takes decades. It takes seasons. And our temptation is, is I want to plant that tree, and I want to pluck the fruit of it instantly. I want it to happen right away. It says it takes time. Be patient with people. And the third illustration we see here is the illustration of Job. We need to learn patience in our trials. The longer you live, the more trials you will face. As you follow Jesus Christ, one of the marks of a follower of Christ is you will face trials. How you face trials. In the midst of your trial, you need to be patient. It says here about Job, verse 11, Consider, we behold those blessed whom, who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, we know Job's story. We wouldn't wish that upon anyone. Right? And Satan comes to test him, and he loses his children, he loses his wealth, he loses all the people that were working for him, he loses his health. He's left with his wife who tells him to curse God and die. He's left with three friends who are doubting him and thinking it's because something you did. We don't name our kids Job. I mean, we name them things like, you know, David, beat Goliath, man, you know. I want you to beat Goliath or, or, you know, Daniel. Like, Daniel's a good name because you're going to kill lions. Like, but uh, here's my son, Job. No, like, we don't want to, we don't want that, right? We don't want that. But you look at the life of Job and the, str- the patience he had, and he wasn't perfect, but the patience he had in his trials. He loses all that. How important it is that when we are going through trials, all of us will, some of us are going through it now, all of us face different trials, that in the midst of the trial, the tribulation, that we stay patient, that we wait upon the Lord during that time. What we often try to do is get out of that as quick as possible instead of asking God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to deal with this person at work that's just giving me a hard time? For no reason, they're just giving me a hard time. What am I going to do? And sometimes the first thing we want to do is, I'm going to quit. i got to go look somewhere else. But maybe God wants us just to, he's telling you, hey, just stick it out. And we see that in in marriages as well. Man, you know, this person is so difficult. How long do you want me to stick this out? You stick it out. And so whatever the trials come our way, we learn from him. What happens in Job at the end of his life? God doubles everything he has. He gives him everything else except uh, he has the same wife, and he has double the children, double the possessions, and he gives him all these things. And the Bible says at the end, right, um, that he was able to see. 
um, that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. If we could grasp that truth, that Jesus Christ, who is going to come for me one day, is compassionate and merciful, we could be patient in our trials. He knows what we're going through, and he is merciful. This too will end. It will be better. I will take care of this. I want to encourage you to be patient this week. Maybe Satan will test you on your way out. Someone at church is not pulling out of the parking lot quick enough. You know, it's going to happen. You're like, when is this sermon going to end? You know, and um, <laughs> you're like, it's about time. Doesn't he have to go back? Like, when is it going to end? Um, <laughs> but for us to be patient, patient upon the Lord, the many psalmists who say, I've waited on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord. Patient with others. God is patient with us. Who are we to be impatient with someone else? Maybe if you're going through trials, if God is letting that be, just as Paul prayed, take the storm from my flesh, and, but your grace is sufficient enough that we would be patient in that and learn from that. Because he is compassionate, he is merciful. Let's pray. God, we take those truths, we cling to those truths that you are compassionate, that you are merciful, that you are coming back for us. And that now produces the fruit of patience in our lives. God, Holy Spirit, would you work or would you make room in our busy minds and our cluttered hearts? Would you clean house, God, and, and Lord, produce fruit? fruit of patience. Find, help us to find the joy and the purpose of why we wait upon you. Teach us during these times. Help us, Lord, to rest. Help us to sleep. Help us to wait. And change us, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.